Last night was the Carolina Hurricanes' last game before the All-Star break. They flew up to Buffalo and dominated the Sabres last night before they took their All-Star break vacations. We're going to talk about all that in this episode of Locked on Hurricanes. Your Locked on Hurricanes, your daily podcast on the Carolina Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey there, Kaniacs. I'm your host, Jared Ellis, and you're listening to Locked On Hurricanes on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this episode is brought to you by the lovely folks over at FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. And as always, thank you for making Locked On Hurricanes your first listen of this Thursday afternoon. And today I am joined by longtime listener and huge Kaniac, Kyle. How are you doing today, Kyle? Uh, not bad, you know, never a bad day when the Canes win the night before. So it's always uh, it's always nice to be able to represent the Hurricanes hat, especially in the uh, Massachusetts, New England area. Uh, a lot of hate up here for us, but I enjoy uh, being that uh, that spectacle that everybody gets to laugh at. Oh, yeah. It, and the thing is, though, now you're really doing the laughing if you uh, exactly. look back on that Boston game the other night. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, and you know, speaking of you know that being a win, the Hurricanes are coming off of two more wins. You know, last night being a really big win against Buffalo. The final score was five to one in that one, and then that was second straight game with five goals because the night before, less than twenty four hours before this game, the Hurricanes came from behind big time to beat the Kings in overtime five to four. Yeah, that was a big game for the Canes, too. Um, down 4-1, they could have easily chose to roll over, especially going into All-Star break. You know, all the guys, they're not playing again until I think either Wednesday or Thursday of next week. Um, and so all the guys are, are, you know, already thinking about their vacations, where they're going to go spend the time at the beach and, and unwinding a little bit. So it easily could have been a time to roll over, but Carolina decided to persevere, pick up three in the third period, and then Sebastian Ajo remains red hot and uh, scores the OT winner. Yeah, that was a big, big win. I know uh, old uh, Locked On Kings host Sarah Avampada, she wasn't too happy about that one. But, you know, it is what it is. But, again, right after that game, they flew up to Buffalo, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And the Hurricanes, that momentum that they had coming out of that game against L.A., that continued big time in, in this game. Three goals in the first period alone with – that first one being a power play goal and between you know, uh, Ter- Tavo Teravine and Sebastian Ajo. And that was just a little over two and a half minutes into the game. I believe it was 234, 235, something like that. So the Hurricanes, they got to work quick in this game. And actually with that particular power play, that was three straight power plays where the Hurricanes scored a goal. And compared to where the Hurricanes power play has been, this season that was pretty impressive because it hasn't been very good this year yeah they're definitely they're starting to show some life and that's a positive thing because last year it was kind of the opposite where we were red hot through the start of the season and then the power play it died down and you know heading into playoffs and we're kind of hitting that swing where it's almost it feels a little bit like the opposite this year where first half of the season we couldn't put anything into the net now all of a sudden they're starting to fall for us we're starting to get those bounces those chances and they're starting to go in 
Yeah, I know is is really good. And with that uh, Sebastian Ajo power play goal, that is now a six game goal streak for him. And there's only two other guys, you know, that have one uh, longer than him. And those being some guys dating back to the Hartford days. Uh, and then, you know, we also had Stefan Nazan and Brent Burns scoring in uh, the, excuse me, I almost said second period, uh, first period as well. And Stefan Nazan, you know, he's a guy, you know, that, you know, a lot of folks felt, you know, okay, you know, he had, you know, the ability to crack the lineup, you know, heading into the season. and he has been one of those guys for me at least that you know he's on a two-way deal if he wasn't cutting it I'd be like all right you know you're heading back to chicago same like jalen chatfield you know those could be guys that they could easily you know you know if they go on a slow streak all right you're getting on a plane but no nazan and chatfield as well they have really just forced uh rod brendamore and you know uh, company to be like no you're you're staying in the lineup because you were playing that good and nazan yeah he's had really good uh season so far and brent burns being a guy now really coming into his own offensively here with the hurricanes i had a feeling whenever he came here uh, all right you know he spent 11 years in san jose it'll probably be some growing pains you know coming here uh having spent so long out there but you know now he's just feels like game after game you know we're seeing him show up on the score sheet somehow whether it be an assist or you know a goal he's leading the team in assist uh right now with 27 and i forget what it was i can look back in my notes from the other day there was another one he was leading uh most defenseman points um that was uh after the la game and or right before the LA game, he had 34 points. Uh, and that was the most by a defenseman on the team. And obviously now that's as I drop my notebook, uh, <laughs> even more because yeah, you know, he's obviously tallied a goal as well and really coming into his own. I'm really enjoying it. And the fact that it's not just a one year thing, I think he still had three years left on his deal. The fact that we're going to get this for three or two more seasons is going to be great. Yeah, especially uh, I'm not sure if you you follow the Twitter feed, but the Carolina Prospects Twitter feed. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a there's a defenseman Nikishin who's coming in, but he's not able to sign until basically when Burns' contract is up. So it almost fits perfectly that we have him for three more seasons, especially there. But yeah, Burns is you knew there was going to be growing pains, especially spending eleven, like you said, eleven seasons with San Jose. And it's the big thing is is getting the chemistry with the guys. He's used to playing a certain system. He's used to playing with certain guys and. When you're playing that long with guys, you learn where they're going to be. You know where they're going to pass the puck to. You know you know where to be in order to receive the best offensive chances. And you're starting to see Burns really come into his own here in Carolina where he's starting to really feed off of the likes of Svechnikov, Natchez, Ajo, all those guys. And you're starting to learn okay, if I'm standing here, if I, if I dive down the wing here like, we, like he did in the last night's game, the third goal of the game in the first – Look what, or sorry, it was the LA game. My apologies, not last night's game, but the LA game. He's flying down the zone, and Svechnikov, just a little backhand, no look pass to him, comes in short side. But that's not something that you saw from him in the first half of the season. You saw the attempts going there, but you didn't see the connection. And now mm -hmm. you're really starting to see that connection. Same thing with Kokaniemi last night. Lays a really nice pass to him onto the back door. 
and he's just he's there to finish and that's what he's good at he's good at shooting the puck he's good at making offensive chances and you're really starting to see that all come to fruition from him and as far as uh chatfield I was a believer that I wasn't all that sure he was going to crack the lineup this year. Mm -hmm. I thought the couple games he had last year, he played well, but there was a couple things that I felt like his game could improve on. He's just blown me away this year. I mean, we've we're missing Jacob Slavin. He's mm -hmm. the, arguably, in my opinion, the best defensive defenseman in the NHL. Um, yeah. Some, some experts say that otherwise, but you know, to me, we watch him every single night, best defensive defenseman. The, the crazy thing is, is that I don't think we've really noticed that Slavin's been because Jalen Chatfield stepped up and he's played such a crucial role playing alongside Brent Burns. He's not playing the the minutes on the third pairing with the Han where you're getting the third and fourth line matchups. He's playing against guys top lines and he's still doing what he does and he's still producing points. That's the best thing. You know, he, he's he's come into his own here. And um, I was listening to. Um, the Canes cast podcast with Rod on. And he said that the reason why he fits this style so well is he's one of the best skaters in the NHL. And we play a fast paced style where I feel like, you know, certain guys like a Stefan Nason as well, too. They just, they mold well here because of the way we play and the way Rod gets the most out of everybody. And it's just, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see those two guys, especially after kind of the bumpy roads they've had at the start of their career, really come into their own and really make a difference on this Carolina Hurricanes roster. Yeah, it's crazy, you know, to think of, you know, we're missing I agree the best defensive defenseman in the NHL. We're missing that. You wouldn't know it. Again, we're on a 7 game winning streak right now, 10 game point streak, and that's a testament to Jalen Chatfield, Brent Burns, and the entire Hurricanes roster of them stepping up and playing a full complete team game because we've seen it in the past this year of you know where guys are just sitting back and it's one or two guys carrying the load uh you know, like Svetch's first hat trick uh up in Edmonton you know he scored the entirety of the Hurricanes goals that that night and they still lost you know he had a hat trick and they lost this is his yeah. first one and that was because no one else was really stepping up in that game. But right now, the Hurricanes are firing on all cylinders. And, you know, I've said in the past, you know, this season that, you know, sometimes it feels like they're firing on all but one cylinder. And that being the power play being the one thing that's not uh, there. But like we said uh, earlier, you know, that first power play goal, that was three straight power plays that the hurricanes have scored on and, you know, we'll dive into it more later of uh, just where it's at statistically, but that's finally having some life to it and not being so painful to watch. Uh, still not perfect by any stretch, but it, it's getting there. And I'd rather be having these issues. Now I've been saying this all season long, rather have these issues now than like we did last year come playoff time I'll you know whole lot of nothing but and you know the second period rolled around not much to note in the second period both teams you know held scoreless you know the hurricanes uh defense stepping up and you know auntie ranta making saves doing auntie ranta things you know plain and simple uh buffalo did end up scoring at 
the end of the first period as well. And they did make a push there in the third as well, but the Hurricanes were able to stave that off. Uh, Derek Stepan ended up notching another goal for him. And Jordan Martinuk, yet another for him. I said that you know when he was kind of on his hot streak at the very beginning of the season, that I felt that this could be a career year for him, but I was a little hesitant to say that at the time because of just his injury history and yeah i didn't want to jinx it but i feel like at this point we can confidently say that this is you know at the midway point of the year it's going to be a career year for jordan martinuk it already has been and it's just going to continue to get better uh yeah. as the season rolls along the best part with martinuk's game too is it's he plays the right way every day and there's never a night where you really see him not moving his feet. Um, whether he gets the career year and points and everything along those lines, which I think he will this year, this is the best year that he's played as a Carolina Hurricane, and it's because he's been fully healthy. I don't think he's really had a fully healthy season since becoming a Hurricane, but you're really starting to see what kind of player Jordan Martinuk is. And that line of him, Jordan Stahl, and, and Jesper Foss, best defensive line in the NHL. They, just, they, they don't let up opportunities, and the best way to play defense is to play offense. When you're in there, when you're in the offensive zone the entire time and the puck's below the goal line, there's not much room and there's not much ability to put the puck in the net, in the net the other way because you're 200 feet away the whole period or the whole the whole shift. Yeah. Uh, so I just pulled up his uh, career stats. So as of right now, 51 games played uh, so far this season, 11 goals, uh, 14 assists, 25 points. Uh, plus seven. I mean, I don't really put a whole lot into the plus minus set, but you know, it, it's that's good. Uh, that's actually plus minus. That is a career high as of right now as well. Um, his career high in goals came in the 2018-2019 season here with the Hurricanes at 15 goals. He's we're at the midway point. He's gonna hit that uh, for sure, and. Career high in assist came back in 2015, 2016 when he was still in Arizona with 15 assists. So he's going to break that. And career high in points being uh, 25 uh, points, 18, 19 uh, here. And he's tied that already. He has 25 points on the season. So, yeah. Uh, he is definitely his best year as a hurricane so far, and it's going to continue to get better. And like you said, I feel a big part of that comes down to just him being healthy. Yeah. And I think the the group of that are going to benefit from this break the most is that third line that mm-hmm. Jordan Stahl, Jesper Foss, Jordan Martinuk line there. You know, we can, we can say that. Yeah. Natchez, Svechnikov, Ajo, all those guys are always going to benefit from having a break off. But when you get into the latter portion of your career, having a bigger break and especially the minutes they play and the mail that they lug, they're playing against a lot of teams, top lines. They're not playing against, you know, third, fourth lines like a lot of other third and fourth lines do. They're playing against the the posture knocks. They're playing against, you know, the Alex talks. They're playing against all these guys, top lines. And you're just seeing them continuously shut them down, continuously lug the mail for the hurricanes and play the right way. They're the tone setters on the team and they set the tone every single night. And there's not a game where they are not playing the correct way and the correct style of hockey, the way that Rod wants them to play. Yeah. It's, it's really a really fun line to watch. I know a lot of people at the end of 
last season in free agency, you know, they're kind of worried just how the Hurricanes were going to replace Nuno Niederreiter. They're on that line uh, because it was so good. Jordan Martinuk, you know, you'd never know. And, you know, I a lot of people, you know, worried, you know, whenever he got placed on waivers and then sent to Chicago and then, you know, obviously right back. Uh, it feels like, yeah, that set a fire under him. And then just being healthy uh, that I think that's been really, really big for the Hurricanes this year as well. But, you know, we talked about yeah how special teams have slowly improved with that power play. And, you know, I have some stats wrote down here yet, and we can dive into those uh, here in a bit. But first, I did want to talk to you guys about today's sponsor, and that is, of course, FanDuel. And we are really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, and that is FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you get paid your winnings instantly. So right now you can download FanDuel so you can bet on Super Bowl 57, whether you're a Chiefs fan, Eagles fan, or whatever, with a no-sweat first bet you'll get up to three thousand dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads and who will score a touchdown and of course they're not just limited to football if you want to bet on hockey basketball baseball wrestling whatever bet online has you covered so join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to download your to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make sure you download that FanDuel app as well. Again, it is safe, secure, and super easy to use. You heard me trying to talk about it again. So make sure you download that. And again, claim your no sweat first bet at fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports book partner of the NFL. Now, diving into the stats, you know, from this, the Hurricanes penalty kill was top notch in this game. We already talked about the Martin Oak shorthanded goal. They went four for four in uh, this game. And earlier in the season, the penalty kill was towards the bottom half of the league for whatever reason. I don't know how that happened, but it is slowly crept back up. Again, four for four last night, and it has now entered the top 10 in the NHL where we thought it was just going to be this season. We thought, you know, all right, yeah, penalty kill is going to be a top 10, arguably top five unit in the NHL all season long. But that hasn't been the case. It's finally entered the top 10. It, right now, it is at seventh in the NHL at 81.9%. I think you know, a lot of that you know comes down to like you were talking about with Brent Burns, just that chemistry. You know, you got new guys coming in and just getting things going. You're not always going to have a situation like last year where you had so much turnover and then it just instantly clicks and you're you know, a top, what was it, top three penalty killing unit all mm -hmm. year long. Yep. And then power play was up there as well. You're not always going to have that. So 
think we got spoiled a little bit last year uh, with the special teams, but seeing the penalty kill get back to just how dominant we expected to be is has been very nice. I think the big thing there too is that Rod's starting to trust his depth again. There was portions of the beginning of the year where there were four defensemen that he wanted on the ice and there were maybe five, six forwards that he wanted on the ice. Now we got eight, nine guys that can go. Kokaniemi's now killing penalties. Natchez is killing penalties on a regular basis. You have Ajo who's really coming into his own, especially shorthanded. He's lighting it up shorthanded, but he was always like that. And that wasn't a question mark of, you know, if it was more of when we knew it was going to come. And I think the big thing is, is that you're really starting to see Chatfield take more of those minutes. You're starting to see DeHaan take more of those minutes where at the beginning of the season, it was Slavin, Burns, Pesci, Shea, DeHaan here and there. But in all reality, Chatfield really wasn't getting a ton of PK minutes. And I think having depth, especially when you have a PK where we are really aggressive. It's not mm-hmm. a it's not a very passive PK, which you can allow guys to sit out there for a minute and 30 and, you know, not lose their legs. They're going to be out there for 30 seconds. And if you're playing that aggressively, it's going to be exhausting. And I think we were seeing that at the beginning of the year as we'd get caught out and it would lead to mistakes. It would lead to turnovers. It would lead to those offensive chances that the other team was capitalizing on. I started to get a couple of those bounces going our way as well, too, as far as the power plays going as well, is those same bounces that the other teams were getting on our PK earlier on in the year where it would hop over a stick and then all of a sudden it was a backdoor tap in or there'd be a crazy redirection and and then all of a sudden they allowed one more pass and, and the box was broken. We're starting to get those opportunities. Look back last night, the uh, Ajo power play goal. Svechnikov grabs that puck, goes to shoot it, Hits off defenseman, goes right back to Svechnikov. He's able to lay it over to Tuevo Teravainen, who passes it right over to Ajo. We weren't getting those bounces early. And I think that just comes with confidence as well, too. I think the PK is really becoming confident. They're really starting to hit their stride. And in all honesty, I really wasn't too worried about the PK because we always mm-hmm. knew that that was going to that was going to rebound and that was going to become you know the best PK or one of the best PKs in the league. It was more the power play that I was starting to worry about because of what happened last year when we hit the second half of the season and we were heading into playoffs that really, really tailed off. And that was what was hurt us most. And especially in the Boston series, it definitely hurt us, but especially in that New York series, we, we couldn't capitalize anything on that power play. Mm-hmm. And I think having that start to heat up now is better than having it heat up from the start of the season, because we're going to ride that wave right into and like I said, the guys are starting to get confidence on it and they're starting to move around more. That's the big thing that I saw at the beginning of the season with the power play is we were stagnant. The puck would go up to the point and we'd have one guy on the wall, the other guy on the wall. It would always be Natchez, Ajo, whoever was out there, Svechnikov as well too. And they would just stand there. They'd be stationary mm-hmm. and they would just try to work the puck up top. We're starting to see movement. We're starting to see guys move around the box, which creates confusion. You can't stand still because guess what? One guy can cover two guys if everybody's standing still. But when everybody's moving, now all of a sudden you're the the PK for the other teams having to move as well too, and it's going to create those lanes. It's going to create those options that are going to allow those better opportunities than what we've been seeing at the beginning half of the season. Yeah, it's we're definitely starting to see that now, and it's very rewarding to watch. Having been frustrated for so long this season, and you know, speaking of the power play, you. Know, you know, it had been in the bottom bottom half, uh, but almost, you know, 
the bottom half of the bottom half, you know, for all season. And now it is slowly but surely making its way out. It is, as of recording, uh, sitting at 22nd in the NHL at 20%. You know, we've seen, you know, spots throughout the season of it's looking like, all right, starting to prove a little bit. And then it's like one step forward, two steps back. And that is my main worry right now. Like, all right, we're on this power play hot streak, but we've seen this happen already this season where, all right, power play starting to look good, starting to look, you know, more like the power play we're used to from them. And then it just tails back off. Looks like a dry Thanksgiving Turkey again. And it, it's just not good. And I really do hope that, you know, this break that the hurricanes are, having right now doesn't negatively impact that that's my big thing you know we we got a lot of momentum going you know again we talked about at the top of the episode that momentum that they took out of that win against la straight into buffalo three goals in the first period and you know that power play goal that's three straight power plays you know at the time you know with goals you know let's hope that we can keep this momentum going and it doesn't hurt them. That's my big thing uh, there. But, you know, we talk about the penalty kill, how good it's been. Penalty kill scoring goals as well, which is always fun and really good. And Martinuk's uh, shorthanded goal uh, actually gave the Hurricanes the most shorthanded goals by any team this year so far. Uh, they now have 10 shorthanded goals on the year which is it feels like as a lot of those have came within like the past month or so, it feels like it's just for whatever reason, these penalty killers are just like, Oh, we're short a guy. Oh, I don't care. I'm going to go score regardless. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a nice thing to see. And that, you know, you always listen to rod post games. He says uh, special teams win games. Well, Mm -hmm. guess what? If our PK scoring at the rate it's scoring now and our power play is not the best in the NHL, Hey, we're still scoring goals short. Or we're still scoring goals on the the special mm-hmm. teams, which is an important thing. Now, of course, we want to keep that power play going, and we want to keep it running at the pace that it's running at now. And that's the beauty and the curse of a long break is that sometimes it can hinder that. Um, but I don't think that the way that we're playing now, if we continue playing that way, especially with Shea, I like Shea on that first power play unit. He's very simple in what he does. There's nothing too crazy. And you remember last year with Anthony D'Angelo, great, great power play specialist, but he would try and do too much sometimes. And I think Shea's kind of the counter opposite where he's going to lay off the nice pass. He's going to allow open, but he's going to shoot the puck and he's just going to get pucks through and he's going to create chaos. That's what I felt like we weren't doing a lot at the beginning half of the season is there was a lot of the passing, but there was no shots going on goal, which can't score if you don't shoot the puck so having that momentum of you know guys really wanting to get the puck on net and having a guy like nason who's standing in front he's not a small guy that's it's hard to see around him it's it's not easy to see around him and i think that was the biggest asset of him coming up and and being a a key key piece on this hurricanes roster is he is that net front guy on the power play and it creates a secondary layer of Okay, now the goalie doesn't just have to see the shot. He's got to see it through the big body of Steph Nason. Yeah, and I don't remember if it's still the case, but I know he was leading the team in power play goals 
uh, the last time I looked as well. And, you know, like I said, you know, the team you know, leads the league in shorthanded goals. Aho himself is tied for second in shorthanded goals. And uh, Tavo Teravainen is tied for third in the NHL in shorthanded goals. So, yeah, special teams wins games. And, yeah, if the power play isn't going to be, like, super great or anything like that, obviously we want to see it continue to improve, of course. But if it's not going to be to the level it was last year. All right. Our penalty kill, that's at least able to pick up some of that slack of, okay, yeah, we'll just say two goals. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You have four power play opportunities. All right. You're able to score on one of them. But then you also have four penalty killing opportunities. You're able to score on one of those as well. And your final score is, you know, whatever you know you're able to balance that out and that's that's going to be really key you know just going forward in general like if you're coming up short in one area you're going to need to pick up that slack somewhere else if you can't like get that like really where it needs to be you got to make up for it somewhere else and that's what the hurricanes are doing power play is improving but it's a slow and steady process and penalty kill you know all these shorthanded goals, they're making it easy to look past the power play shortcomings. Yeah, for sure. And I, you also have to remember, too, we have different personnel on both mm-hmm. of those yep. from last year. You know, we're missing the Vincent Trocheck, who was that net front guy, who mm-hmm. I think is a very good net front guy because he doesn't he's not a big, huge frame, but he gets in the eyes at the right time. And I think that was what Carolina was really missing at the beginning mm-hmm. portion of the season. But you're starting yep. to see nason really hit his stride and really understand what his job is on that power play and he's executing and i think the biggest thing with the power play is we're working the puck low too mm-hmm. if, if if you're behind the goal line guess what all the, the defensemen are having to face you their backs are turned to the rest of the players and it allows movement it allows motion and it allows guys to get lost and not lost in a bad way but lost in a good way they're able to find those soft areas where there's all of a sudden there's enough space to shoot the puck there's enough space to get a good scoring opportunity and honestly i think it the most the biggest thing for us is the confidence level in a lot of our shooters in a marty natures in a sebastian aho aho was doing great at the beginning half of the season i just think that there were some times where his his stick or shooting stick just wasn't right there where he always had it and he was just he wasn't connecting and, and scoring the goals that he normally would score same with a terabinen you know, beginning half of the season, he couldn't put anything into the net. Now, all of a sudden, we're really starting to see him find his legs, find his footing, and find his shot again, which is, in my opinion, it's one of the more lethal shots on the Carolina Hurricanes when he can get it off. And he's just, he's very accurate, very deadly with it. It's just more or less getting him into the space to get that shot off. Yeah. And we're talking about a lot of these guys, you know, here in the first half of the season. We'll dive more into. Sebastian Ajo, Tavo Teravine, and Stefan Azen. We'll dive into more of our thoughts on all those guys right after this quick break. Now, folks, it is February 2nd. You know, got a lot of New Year's resolutions starting to taper off. But if you're looking for a delicious treat and you don't want all that fat and calories, then you've got to try Built Bar. I know a lot of folks, New Year's resolution is eating healthier and, you know, getting out of the holidays. I know one of my goals was to eat a little bit healthier this year. And if you're like me and want to stick to that goal, but you don't want to compromise tasting, you have got to try 
Built Bars. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. And I'm not kidding. These Built Bars are absolutely delicious. And they're perfect to help you stick to your New Year's resolution. And longtime listeners, you know just how good Built Bars are. But if you're new here, you're going to be asking what makes Built Bars so good. Well, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yeah, that's right. Real chocolate. Nothing you know, nasty or artificial. It's real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, my personal favorite peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. And I'm not sure just how Built Bar does it, but they have so many more flavors. And they are all tasting like cane bars while maintaining amazing macros and What's even better is that, again, they're all healthy with only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And you don't want to wait around, folks. Get a box right now. For New Year's, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com. Now, you can go get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. I got both of those maybe about 20 minutes away, so I may go pick some up later. So, you know, you can go ahead to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're in Sam's Club, you can run in and grab a 13-bar box of brownie batter and churro. That brownie batter does sound good right now, so it that does. may be the one I go with. But, folks, you can get all those at your stores there. If you want something else, go online to Built.com and Go find one that tickles your fancy. But getting back into the midseason thoughts for the Hurricanes, we talked about Sebastian Ajo, Tavo Teravine, and those guys seem to be heating up a bit. Let's hope that momentum continues you know, through the break. Stefan Nazan as well. I feel like you know, with him, you know, is settling into that role of that net front presence. And he's settling into that. Brent Burns, we talked about him earlier in the episode as well. Feels like he's settling in and getting more comfortable. Like, all right, this, I know where I need to be now. I know where Svetch is going to be and, you know, all that stuff. And another guy, you know, for me, Gaspir Kotniemi, you know, uh, the Hurricanes signed into that long extension because they saw him as their long term second line center. And obviously, I think we all knew that it was going to be a growing process. He wasn't immediately going to be the best second line center in the NHL. And I feel like we all realize that. And we've definitely see, seen some ups and downs from him this season. If you remember, there was a bit bit of a stretch there fairly recently where he was the fourth line center. It was Paul Stastny centering the second line. And I feel like with Coke Yemi, he it's a confidence thing. Yeah, I feel like right now he's feeling himself and he's like, all right, you know, I, I, I got this. And, you know, he's in a great place to succeed. You know, I've said it many, many times, you know, we can go down the list of, you know, great NHL players that have came through the Carolina hurricane system. They're really good at developing young talent and they can help him make up the ground that he uh, lost uh, being up in Montreal. Cause they're not the best at developing young talent up there. And you kind of, hurt him and he's definitely still got some growing to do but he has definitely come into his own and definitely improved some this season so far 
Yeah, for sure. Um, there's still certain things of his yeah. game where I think he definitely has areas to grow. And oh, the number one thing absolutely. I feel like he needs to grow in, in the area where it's going to really improve his game is between his ears. I think sometimes, especially being a third overall pick going to Montreal, we know how big of a hockey hotbed Montreal is. It's mm-hmm. one of the biggest pressure cookers in the NHL, if not the biggest, arguably them in Toronto. There's no second guessing when you're there. You're either the guy or you're on the way out in their eyes. And that, I'm not saying that's through the Montreal organization. That's no, more through their fan base. They're, they're very, very hard on some of their players, especially when they're not producing at where they should be based off of where they are drafted. And now I think Montreal kind of did themselves a little bit, of, did Kokaniemi a little bit of a disfavor selecting him third overall because he was the number one center still left on the board, but he wasn't predicted to go third overall. Mm-hmm. He was going to be a bottom 10 guy. He was still going to be in the top 10, but he was going to be in the bottom of that top 10 list. And he got pushed all the way up because of Montreal's dire need of a first line center. And I think coming in, he had immediate success right away, but then he really tapered off that second half of the year and he started hearing about it. And I mm-hmm. think the biggest thing with Kokaniemi is if he can get out of his own head and get out of his own way sometimes, I think we're really starting to see that. He's at three points in the past two games. He's starting to play with a little bit of confidence and he's starting to not think the game so much and as crazy as that sounds you know you really want to know what you're doing on the ice but when you're thinking too much and you're not letting your instincts take over you start gripping the stick a little tight the pucks start bouncing the other way and you just find yourself thinking more than actually playing the game and you're out of position and it forces you to make more mistakes than than positive things and i think mm-hmm. if we can get coke and Niemi to the level where you know, where, uh, where Marty Natchez came from, you know, he, he was kind of in that same situation last year. He didn't have his best year and he knew it. He came out and said it. He said, listen, this isn't what I am. This isn't the best that I can be. But, but Natchez, what he did in the off season is he was speaking to a sports psychologist and he was having those conversations with an expert on how to get over those mental hurdles. The game is 99% mental, 1% physical. Mm-hmm. And when you can really stop thinking about the game and just play it and allow your brain to just instinctually play the game, that's when you're going to play your best. And I think we're really starting to see Coke and Yemi kind of get to that point. I still think there's going to be growing pains and I think there's going to mm-hmm. be times where we need to be patient with him. The nice thing is, is he's on a really nice contract. He's give it two, three years because the salary cap is going to keep increasing. and We're going to keep allow- allocating more money for these teams and three, four years down the road, he might be on one of the best contracts in the NHL if he really does come to come out of his shell and start playing in a way that I mean, we all believe that he can and the level that he can get to. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a big thing. You know, I've said so many times that you know it's a mental thing. You know, power play. You know, early in the year felt like they're in their own head, and yeah, you know, you can overthink the game. You can overthink any aspect of life. Heck, we don't know if there's something going on outside, you know, of the game that could potentially be affecting him negatively. Uh, but yeah, you know, he's got some growing to do, but it's there. We're, we're seeing glimmers of it. And I hope that, you know, like you said, three points in the last two games. Let's hope that this continues past the all-star break. And one last thing, you know, because we've touched on guys throughout the episode is the goalies. I I think at the midway point, we're 
I feel like it's a double-edged sword because we're simultaneously at you know, a great spot with, we'll just say all three of them, Freddie, Auntie, and Piotr. We're at a great spot with all three of them. Uh, we're the first team ever to record 10-plus wins with three different goalies in a season. But it worries me with injuries uh, because Freddie Anderson, having already missed so much time, Auntie Ranta, while he hasn't gotten hurt yet, key word there is yet because we know his injury history and it feels like it'll only be a matter of time before he inevitably goes down with something let's hope it'll be minor it's just like a game that he misses or you know or heck he just gets pulled back in next game you know i but we know their injury history and thankfully we do have piotr down in chicago that can come up and He's the only goalie under contract uh, for next season and beyond. So you kind of feel like he's going to be at least one of the guys here next season, if not the guy. But like I said, we're at a good place with all three of them, but I'm also worried going down the stretch because of injuries. Yeah, for sure. The The, the best part is, is that we have that safety valve in Piotr and yeah. he is, he has every capability of being a number one goalie in this NHL. I have no doubt in my mind, but he's also very young still. Yep. And I think a lot of us, we're riding that wave of, it was like 10 or 12 games in a row where he was playing lights out, you know, was just phenomenal, really taking the reins and everybody was sitting there questioning, well, is he the guy now? We also have to remember he's only 21, 22 years old. You Mm got to think about that. When you were 21, 22 years old, you weren't playing in the NHL. You didn't have that level of pressure behind you. And he has that. And the goalie's position is the hardest position in sports. There's mm-hmm. I, I can, I'll argue with anybody any day of the week. It's the hardest position in sports. It's the most technical. You make a mistake. You're the guy that made the mistake. There's no second guessing on who made the mistake because it's very easy spotlight right on you. And I think that sending him back down to Chicago and allowing him to season himself a little bit Mm -hmm. and just allowing him to understand the way the North American game is played as well, too, because you also have to remember coming from Russia, they're playing on Olympic ice over there as well, too. So the angles are different. Everything is a little bit different. You know, the shots are coming from a little bit further out most of the time, especially when they're coming from the point shots. There's a little bit more time to react to pucks where now all of a sudden he's coming to the North American ice. It's smaller. It's the game is faster. The game is harder hitting. There's a lot more going on in front of you because there's less space. And so you, it, it creates that little bit of chaos that it's an adjustment period. And you see it with a guy like even Igor Shosturkin, his first couple seasons over here. Yeah, he was great through stretches, but there were also stretches of time where he wasn't the best goalie in the NHL. And then all of a sudden you look last year, Vesna winner. He mm-hmm. got his time and it came to him and it came over a stretch of time. And you're really starting to see these Russian goaltenders really take over the league. Andre Vasilevsky being one of them. Elias Sorokin and the uh, Islanders being one of them as well, too. He's almost had 25% of his wins have been shutouts this year just because of the Islanders lack of scoring ability. But look at Peter. He's young. He hasn't played a full season in North America yet. He's a great safety valve. I don't think he's ready to be the guy yet. He very well could be next year, 
And I, I truly believe that he, he I know he's going to be one of the two guys next year, whether yep. he's the number one guy or the number two guy. And in all reality, we know Rod, it's going to be a 1A, 1B situation. It's not going to be a number one and number two. It mm-hmm. just allows him to season himself a little bit more and mature as well, too. He's coming. He also, we know he doesn't speak much for the English as well either. And so think about how hard that would be going to a foreign country where you can't really talk to anybody unless they speak Russian. And on last year's Chicago team, there was nobody else on the team that spoke Russian. This year, he's got a couple guys that he's got passion mm-hmm. and those guys as well, too, that he now has a little bit of conversation with. But you saw him come up. He was talking to Andre Svechnikov constantly. Him and Andre had a good relationship prior to even him even coming over here. And it made him feel comfortable. And you could see his comfort level starting to increase. So the more time he spends in North America, the more time he gets accustomed to everything going on in normal life here, the better he's going to start playing. And I think we kind of saw a little bit of that immaturity and a little bit of that almost in his own head, the the last two or three games that he mm-hmm. was up. And I think, like I said, the best thing for him, send him back to Chicago, let him season, and he's going to play majority of the games down there because they will ride him as just the number one goalie. We're up here. If he was in a three goalie situation, not a great thing. And like you said, with our injury history in the past, I have a feeling and I hope it doesn't happen because of the way they're both playing, but there's probably going to be a time where one of the two go down and he's going to have to come back up and be ready to go. Yep. And it's going to be a very fun thing to watch uh, with Piotr as he continues to grow in the North American game down in the AHL up here in the NHL, because he has it. It's just, you know, like you said, Maturing, continue to get used to the North American game, but he definitely has all the capabilities and all the potential to be the Hurricanes' number one goalie. It's just going to be, you just got to let it go and, you know, just let time progress. Don't try to rush it. I think that's going to be big. Do not rush him. Let him develop at his own pace. If he needs to be in Chicago, if say he needs to be the number two guy next year and maybe spend you know a little bit of time in chicago or or whatever it may be and he's not ready for that true number one role let him be that you know let him be the number two guy you know if he needs to spend some more time in chicago let him spend it because he's what looks you mentioned his age that's he's looking like he's going to be your franchise goalie going forward Kind of like how you thought Ned was going to be, but, you know, they moved in a different direction there. He's looking like he's your guy. Don't botch his development, and that's going to be big. But like we said earlier, you know, with Yespiri, he's in a great system to be developed and molded into a future NHL starting goalie, future all-star, future Vesna winner, all of the above. He has the potential there. It's just a matter of developing and letting time go. You know, that's yeah. going to be the big thing there. For sure. And especially if you remember Andre Svechnikov's rookie year, he played on the fourth line a majority of that season. And that wasn't mm-hmm. because he wasn't good enough to play in the top six. He was plenty good enough to play in the top six. Mm-hmm. But you look at what Don Waddell and what Rod Brendamore and what the coaching staff of the Carolina Hurricanes want to accomplish, it's a long-term goal. And yeah, we can say, I agree that we are in somewhat of a win now situation, but you also have to remember how young our core still is. 
You mm-hmm. look at Sebastian Ajo, you look at Marty Natchez, you look at Andrei Svechnikov, Seth Jarvis, Kokaniemi, Kochetkov, even Slavin, Pesci, those guys, they're still in their 20s. It's not like we're waning down the years where they're in their mid-30s and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're in a Pittsburgh situation where we have to go all in or a Boston situation this year. They're all in this year. You know, they, yep. this is this is their year. They have to win it this year where, yes, we are in a win-now situation with guys but our core and our our development pieces they're still young and we're still ranked very highly with our prospects we have the likes of a scott morrow uh and you know passion and those guys down in the ahl in college and, and across you know in russia as well too it's going to only get better from here uh, i forget who does the ranking for prospects we were ranked 12th in the nhl for prospects and the other teams in front of us were all not playoff teams and that's a big thing when you can really think about it we're a stanley cup contending team now and we still have one of the best prospect pools so it allows us that opportunity that if we do feel like this is our best opportunity to win a cup we can possibly move some of those pieces away to try and bring somebody in to really benefit our chances now or what i think is going to end up happening is we're going to try and win now but we're going to hold on to a lot of our assets and a lot of our key pieces because we know three, four years down all those guys come to fruition, we're going to be even better than we are now. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, we could talk for days on, you know, the Hurricanes development system, and we will at some point. But that's going to do it for today on this episode of Locked on Hurricanes. Once again, thank you for making Locked on Hurricanes your first listen of this Thursday afternoon. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore Hurricanes. And we will talk to you guys in the next episode tomorrow. And as always, guys, never forget, let's go Canes.